Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Tonight I'm going to begin a new message. It's entitled Knowing God. I'm not sure if it's going to be a series yet, but for tonight we're going to talk about knowing God. Uh, Let's pray before we look into the scriptures and what they teach and say on the subject. So, Father... Once again, we come before your throne and we thank you for your word. That's a lamp to our feet. That's a light to our path. We thank you that transforming power will manifest in each of our lives as we study it. Not just to learn it academically and intellectually, but to be changed by it from glory to glory. I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost and for making my tongue as the pen of a ready writer to proclaim truth with power in demonstration that will challenge us and penetrate our very hearts and souls and transform our lives, that we can become that for which Christ has apprehended each and every one of us. Thank you for ears to hear it, hearts to receive it, and minds to be open to it, and we'll give you all the praise for all that takes place in Jesus' holy and wonderful name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Well, our first text is going to be John's Gospel, chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, and I believe we're probably all most familiar with that text. Uh, Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, notice these are Jews that believed on him. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Notice he's talking about continuing in the word. Not just being satisfied with the fact that I believe, I believe on Jesus, I've accepted him as my Savior and Lord, but I'm going to continue in the word to prove my discipleship. In other words, a disciplined student of the Lord to learn of him constantly. Because why? We're being changed into his image and likeness from glory to glory as we study the word by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to point out the fact that there are different Greek words for no, just like there's different Greek words for love that we've talked about in the past. There's eros, which is a um, basically a lower base love, just a physical attraction to somebody. There's storge, which is compatibility. We know also there's phileo, which is a brotherly kind of love that's responsive. But there's also agape, divine love of God that's shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And it's important to understand those different kinds of love because they're meaningful to us. They establish a foundation upon which our lives really are built. Well, when it comes to the word know as well, knowledge as well, there are different Greek words that we should learn about with regard to knowledge. And again, I'm not a Greek scholar, but you don't have to be one. We have all kinds of resources where we can learn about these particular words. Uh, But the whole point is just to understand something about why they're used and why they're different. For example, you've got the first one, gnosis. And that word is referring to something like data. It's referring to information. It's referring to, it's referring to facts of knowledge that we can accumulate over the years. We can, for example, go off to school and learn some things. We can go off to college and learn other things. We can learn scientific knowledge. Uh, we learn mathematical equations in knowledge, like 2 plus 2 is 4. 10 times 10 is 100. We learn all those things. These are facts that we learn by, for example, reading the newspaper. 
We learned about a fact when maybe you read an obituary in some past that you didn't know, but now you've got a fact, now you've got the knowledge. And that's the kind of learning that this one Greek word, gnosis, is talking about. But that's not the word that Jesus used in our text when he said, you shall know the truth. Uh, it was another word. We'll get to that in just a moment. But there's another word, oida. It's O-I-D-A in the Greek. And what it means is like a perception or an observation. It's like the times when maybe the light bulb went on and you saw something and said, oh, I see it now. You gain some kind of insight or knowledge uh, by doing something like that as you stay before the Lord or just observe something. Um, so it's talking about that kind of revelation or that kind of information, that kind of knowledge that, you know, we get just by, let's just say, uh, observing something and looking at it until we get an understanding of it. Uh, one thing I could say be, would be this. Recently in Louisiana, I believe it was, um, that they showed on television fireballs just going from uh, one telephone pole to another telephone pole. <clears throat> and what you did was you saw, you observed something about electricity. You could see how it's a ball of fire, a flame of fire, just flowing from one pole to the next pole. Something that many said, we've never seen anything like this before. Now, behind of all that, of course, is electrical wire and just power flowing through the electrical lines, but you don't see a fireball. But on that occasion, they did. So they observed something, they saw something and received some information. Now you know all about it. So we're talking about this next word, and this word is gnosko. It's another Greek word that's talking about knowledge or knowing, and it's talking about personal, intimate, relational knowledge that we gain. And this is the, the most intimate knowledge we could possibly have. It's like entering into, it's like the subject and the object uniting together uh, and blending together as one. It's partaking of something. And the best way I could use to describe it is like this. You may bake a cake and you know all the ingredients that's in that cake, uh, and that's a form of knowledge. But that doesn't mean that you've tasted it. It's not until you taste it that gnosko is achieved. You've tasted it, and you know what? Either you liked it or you didn't like it. But the point is that you tasted it, which is why in the scriptures we are taught, taste and see that the Lord is good. You've experienced it in reality. So it's more than just educational knowledge. It's more than academic knowledge. It's more than just an observation. This is an entering into experienced knowledge that we uh, experience in life. Now, when it comes to, like I said about electricity, you can know all about it academically, uh, and that's one form of knowledge. You can observe it, like I said, on the power lines, you can see the fireball, and you know that it's there. But that's still not talking about gnosko. Gnosko would be if you were to touch that power line and it surged right through your body, now you have gnosko. You have experienced it. Which is why the same word is used back in the Old Testament and some also in the New Testament when it speaks of uh, Eve and Adam. Adam and Eve coming together. Adam knew his wife Eve and they conceived and had a child. So it's the most intimate uh, of all relationships and knowledge. And so Jesus is saying this, look, if you stay in my word and continue in my word, you'll get to a point to where your educational academic knowledge becomes an experienced reality. So it's not knowing about something, it's actually experiencing something. Which brings me to our next text, John's Gospel, chapter 17, and notice verse 3. And this is life eternal. Well, what is it, Lord? That they might know, there's the word gnosko, know thee, the only true God 
and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So eternal life is not about programs. It's not about religious traditions. It's not about theological positions or rituals. It's not about ceremonies or having intellectual knowledge. It's about entering into this intimacy of knowledge. It's about knowing God to where you experience him in your inward man. We call it the new birth, being born again or being transformed by the power of God through the word of God and Holy Spirit. So it's about knowing him personally, intimately, accurately, and knowing him in reality. That's what this word is talking about. Experiencing Jesus, not just perceiving things about him, not just knowing things about him. Uh, look, when I was in, uh, let's say, grade school, I went to a, a church where I was uh, probably six days a week going to church. Uh, all through the, my youth, youthful years. And then uh, as a young teenager, I continued going to church. Not as much, but I was still in church. And I could summarize it by saying this. For 24 years of my life, I was in church. I knew some things about Jesus. I knew he died on a cross. I knew that he uh, was raised from the dead. And so on. So I knew this. I had academic intellectual knowledge of Jesus. But I was not in any way, shape, form, or fashion born again. I didn't know him as my Savior in my heart. I wasn't transformed by the knowledge that I had of him. So it's one thing just to say I have academic knowledge of something, but I didn't experience him as my Savior and Lord. It's one thing to say I can perceive some things, but it's not until we experience the new birth that we're basically doing what Jesus said. Continuing in his word so we can have experienced reality. Eternal life is all about knowing Jesus, not knowing about Jesus. As a matter of fact, the Spirit of God to the prophet Jeremiah kind of said it this way. Look at uh, Jeremiah chapter 9. And notice here at verse 23, we'll start with that. And this is from the New Living Translation of the Bible. This is what the Lord says. So once again, it's coming from the Lord himself. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom, or the powerful boast in their power, or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth, and that I delight in these things, I the Lord have spoken. So what is the Lord saying through the prophet Jeremiah? He's saying that the most meaningful pursuit in life is not about riches, wisdom, or power. It's not about gaining more wisdom of men. Remember the apostle Paul in his letter to the Corinthians said, I'm not coming to you with words of men's wisdom. Some people really boast on intellectualism, intellectual knowledge, and we're not against in intellectual knowledge at all. We should be educated, and we thank God that we can be educated in our country. We can go to college, and we can learn a lot of things. But he is saying, don't boast in this kind of knowledge. If you boast in this kind of knowledge and you stop right there, then you're cutting yourself short. He went on to say, and don't be, uh, let's say, in pursuit of power only. What kind of power? It could be political power. It could be military power. It could be personal power where you want to get stronger and stronger. Uh, he's saying that's not something to boast about either. Well, what, what about wealth and what about accumulating wealth and riches and all that? He said, no, that's not something to boast about either. It's not about that. 
If you want to boast about anything, and remember this, those things we talk about don't just happen overnight. You don't get wisdom without applying yourself. You don't get power without applying yourself. You don't get wealth without applying yourself unless someone left you a tremendous inheritance. You apply yourself. He says, look, what's most important to boast on is that you know me and understand my heart. That I'm a loving, caring God who loves humanity. Boast about that. Why? Because it's going to take time, effort, and energy to learn about the living God, to learn about His love, to learn about who He is, His character, His heart attitude, His motives, His plan of redemption that He planned out and sent Jesus to consummate. It takes time to apply ourselves to these principles of God's Word so that the Holy Spirit can take them and build them into our lives, line upon line and precept upon precept. And so it's important that we understand He's talking about boast that I know the living God. I know the creator of the universe. You know, we talk about oftentimes, well, my father has done this or my father has done that. Uh, maybe my father's an engineer. Maybe my father's a lawyer. My father's a mill worker. My father's a school teacher and all that. And thank God for all those professions. But you know what? Your father, your Abba father, has created the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is. That's how great and mighty he is. He laid a foundation for the earth and the waters of the sea shall not pass over the sand along the seashore. And Jeremiah talks about he defined the sand along the seashore, the shoreline, as being a bounds he has established for the waters that would cover the earth if he didn't. That's a pretty amazing God. You talk about power. You talk about wisdom. You know, you talk about uh, wealth that he has. He owns the silver, the gold, the cattle on the thousand hills. It all belongs to him. And so you see, when you go to him and you learn of him and you know him, remember Jesus said, come and learn of me. You're learning the greatest thing you could possibly learn. So the greatest pursuit that any one of us could possibly have in life is to truly know him, gnosko him, enter into this place, this realm of oneness with him, this intimacy with him. And this takes a lifetime. Why? He's God. We're learning about the God of all creation. We're learning of Him. And He wants us to conform to His image and conform to His likeness. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. So you see, it's important that we make this our primary pursuit. Lord, I want to know You. That's what eternal life is all about. It's not just getting saved and saying, I've got my ticket stamp, I'm on my way to heaven. And now it doesn't matter how I live my life upon the earth. No, it's about... Your sins being paid in full. You appreciate that so very, very much that you lay down your life. As he said, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow him. That means pursue him, pursue knowing him, understanding him, getting involved with what he's all about. And every one of us who is born again, washed in the blood of the lamb should do so. Uh, let me just explain a few things. When it comes to knowing Jesus, he said, look, it's about knowing God the Father and knowing God the Son, knowing Jesus, of course, knowing the Holy Spirit as well, but he's the one that makes these things a reality to us. It's more than just knowing him as Savior. Someone can say, I know he's the Savior of the world. It's more than just knowing that someone died for my sins when it comes to salvation. I knew he died for my sins for 24 years before I was born again. I knew that, but I didn't know that. I knew it academically, intellectually, but I didn't know that experientially. So I was sitting there in church 
service after service, doing all the things I was told to do, being a good religious individual. I was trying to do my best. But you know what? Even though I was trying to do my best, I knew there was something wrong with me. I knew I was lost. I had the conviction of the Holy Spirit come upon me at a young age when I would go to bed at night. I didn't know what it was at that time. I know now that it was conviction coming upon me because I was in a lost condition. Had I died, I could have been lost to eternity. But wait a minute, I knew all about Jesus. I knew about him being a savior. I knew about him dying on a cross. I knew about all that. But you see, that was only academic. That was only head knowledge. That was only intellectual. It wasn't until someone came up to me and said, they got the ball rolling by saying, Bill, you know you have to be born again to make heaven. And I couldn't understand that. I was never taught that. I was biblically illiterate, had no idea. I was taught not to study the Bible because you can't understand it. And so I was obedient and I didn't pick it up. My big old family Bible just sat there on the coffee table and it gained all kind of dust. And that was it until one day another fellow came up to me and said, you've got to be born again if you want to make heaven. Here I am under conviction of the Holy Spirit. I want to go to heaven. But uh, when someone comes and tells me I must be born again, I think they're lunatics because I've never heard anything like this before as long as I've been in church for 24 years. Well, then finally, that information that I had became more of an observation and then it became gnosko, an experienced reality. The light bulb went on. When my father came into my bedroom one day when I was on sick leave from an accident that took place when I was in, working in a mill, and he wrote out a sinner's prayer. And thank God, bless his heart, he's in glory right now. But he wrote out a sinner's prayer and he told me, look, these events are going to unfold. And he talked about the book of Revelation. He talked about the rapture of the church. He gave me more added information. And to be honest with you, he put the fear of God into me. And upon receiving that information, the light bulb went on. And then I went from Oida to Gnosko. I got on my knees. I asked Jesus to come into my heart. I knew before about him being a savior, but when I said yes and asked him to come into my heart, he came in. He took my spirit, recreated it by his Holy Spirit. I became a new creation in Christ Jesus. And guess what? Now I know him as my savior. I know the living God intimately and personally in the new birth. I know I'm a child of God. And I knew I was a child of God, just like I know I'm a male. I knew that. Absolutely, without any shadow of a doubt, I knew I was born again. Changes begin to take place inside me. You see, when you're truly born again, you have the life of God in you. Changes are going to begin to take place. He's at work in you, and he wants to bring that work out of you and me. And he's done that over these many years. So we're talking about knowing Jesus, not just as one who died for our sins, but knowing him as Savior by asking him to come into our heart and recreate our spirit, that's called gnosko. Uh, secondly, it's more than just knowing that he's the Lord. We know he's Lord. I knew about him being the Lord of all, academically. But when it comes to really knowing him, gnosko as Lord, listen to his own words, his very own words. Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not those things which I say? Now, I can know about him as being my Lord, but what's he saying? Why would you call me Lord and not do the things I say? See, gnosko means I have this experienced reality with him in such a way that 
His word impacts my life, my conduct, my character, my behavior, my attitude. See, I'm going to be changed by it. I'm going to change in the way I think, the way I live, conduct myself, the way I act. And I can give you many illustrations about the changes that took place in my life as I began to call him Lord over my life. You know, back then I played guitar in bands. I just got saved and I made some money on the side by playing in, in bands, playing in nightclubs, bar mitzvahs, weddings, uh, class reunions and all that. I did that. Uh, well, after getting saved, after getting born again, and I was the lead guitar player in this band. We went to the different places, like sometimes there were nightclubs and things like that. And we were just, you know, let them know we'd like to play here if you have an op if, if, opening and you give us the opportunity, we'd like to play here. Well, I went in with the, another fella that was in the uh, same band. We were playing together. We called them gigs, looking for a gig. I sat down at one of the tables. There were four of us there. And as I sat down on that table, I began to tremble. I mean to tell you, the fear of the Lord came upon me. Reverence for God came upon me in such a powerful and impacting way. You talk about knowing something, knowing the fear of the Lord, knowing the fear of God, experiencing the fear of God. And I just was shaking. They kept looking at me like, what's the matter with you? I said, I got to get out of here. What do you mean? I got to get out of here. Now, that person didn't know that I was born again. He just knew me as Bill before being born again, before Christ. And here we are looking to get a gig, you know, to supplement our income. And I said, I got to get out of here. That was it. And that same following that week, I talked to the individual and said, I, I can't do this anymore. What do you mean you can't do this anymore? I says, I'm done with this. Why? Once again, I was just a newborn babe in Christ. I'm not saying this applies to everybody. It applied just to me. As far as I'm concerned, I said, I'm not going to play in places like this anymore. I don't belong in a place like this. I just want to let you know that. I had this conviction upon me, maybe because I was so young in the Lord and just came to Christ. And who knows what kind of spirits hovers over those places and whatever. But I just given you my personal testimony. I called him Lord of my life. And when I got that revelation from him, I was out of there. I gave up my guitar and so on. I didn't want to play for, for things like that anymore. I had a genuine born again experience. I had a gnosko experience with God. And now with him being the Lord of my life. And that's what he's talking about. Why call me Lord and don't do what I say? And so I chose to do what he said. Why? Because I call him Lord. Now remember, if you're a king and you're a king, let's say you have a king and your king tells you to do something and you don't do it, you know, you could lose your life over that. Well, he's our Lord and he says, look, if I'm your Lord and I tell you to do something, why won't you do it? Give me that same kind of respect you would give a natural king. So it's not just knowing about him being Lord. It's truly knowing him. As Lord. Gnosko. Look at the next one. Baptizer with the Holy Ghost and fire. It's not just knowing that he was the one who sent the Holy Ghost. He said, I'm going to go to my father. I'm going to send the spirit, the comforter to you. He's going to be a comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, and standby. He's going to guide you into all the truth. He's going to speak to you what he hears of the father. He's going to show you things to come. This is the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, you know what? You can go to a class somewhere. You can go to a church service somewhere. You could be taught about the Holy Spirit. And you could be taught that the Jesus is the one who sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost when he went to heaven after his final ascent into heaven. I know all about that. And you can also know he's the third person of the deity. And you can know that. So academically, intellectually, we can know the person of the Holy Spirit. But you know what? That's not Gnosko. 
Gnosko is, when they were in that upper room, the 120 in that one place, in one accord, with their hearts ablaze for God, humble hearts, wanting God, desiring God, longing for God, wanting to experience God, the Holy Ghost came on that day. There was a sound of rush, a mighty rushing wind from heaven. It sat up, and then there were cloven tongues like as a fire, sat upon each of them, and entered into them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. That's Gnosko. They were filled with the Holy Ghost, filled with fire of the Spirit, and they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. That is Gnosko. It's not knowing about the Holy Spirit. It is experiencing the Holy Spirit and what is called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He baptizes us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And he says, and when that happens, you'll receive power from on high. And once again, that was uh, another situation where I encountered Gnosko. I went to a church service. It was Pleasant Valley Evangelical Church up in uh, Niles, Ohio. I had just come out of a denominational church. I got saved. I was trying to find a church. And um, I was on fire for God, ablaze for God, studying the Bible, studying the Word of God, learning as much as I possibly could. And something inside me just wanted more. I wasn't satisfied with where I was at. wasn't satisfied with what I had. And so what did I do? I went to these church services. This was a full gospel Pentecostal church. I didn't really even know that. But it was one of the bigger churches in the area, in the Youngstown, Warren area. And so in Niles, I went to this church service. And I went through a couple services. And they happened to you know, have an altar call, something that I wasn't used to as well from before. We didn't do that in the church I grew up in. And so the, the preacher just said, if you really want more of God, well, that got my attention right there. I want more of God. Lord, I love you. I want as much of you as I possibly can get. I just want more of you. I have this burning within my soul. I need more of you. I want more of you. He said, come to the altar. Well, I went to the altar and he says, well, what is your desire? And I said, I desire more of God. Just like you said, I desire more of God. He said, are you born again? I said, yes, I am. Gave my heart to Jesus. He said, are you... Filled with the Holy Ghost. I said, I don't know what you mean. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Have you received the Holy Ghost? Spoke with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives utterance. Have you received that experience? I said, no. He said, well, that's what you want. I said, it is? That's what you want? Yes. See, I knew about the Holy Spirit. I knew that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. I knew they were filled on the day of Pentecost with the Holy Ghost. You could know all these facts. I knew that he is a dove, form of a dove, etc., etc., I knew that Jesus received the Holy Spirit after he was baptized in water. But I didn't have epigonosco when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Well, guess what? I'm on my knees. There's a rail, altar rail that's there. These individuals now are surrounding me. I was a very classic hard case. And so as I'm on my knees and I'm having these guys come to me and pray for me, they're all praying in other tongues. I had no idea what they were doing. But they had their arms, their hands on my shoulders, ones in front of me, side of me, behind me, on my right side, left side, etc. And for, I'm, I'm not exaggerating, 45 minutes, bless their souls. They actually were patient enough with someone like me who had no clue because they didn't tell me what to do. We instruct people how to receive the Holy Ghost. But back then, there was no instruction whatsoever. I was just there and my mouth is open because they're saying, you're going to speak in tongues when you get filled with the Holy Ghost. I said, okay. I stood there with my mouth wide open, catching flies, nothing happening. Well, they don't know this. I know this. But the moment they laid their hands on me, this began. A burning began on my tongue. I mean a burning on my tongue. 
But it took me, I'm a little hard-headed, 45 minutes to finally just tell him. Uh, when one of them said, is there anything happening? I said, well, my tongue's on fire. He said, well, my goodness, how long has that been going on? I said, the whole time. <laughs> he said, well, go ahead and speak out. Speak out whatever it is. That's the Holy Ghost that's on you. I'm telling you right now, there was a fire burning in my mouth, on my tongue. It took me a while, but I began speaking in another language that I did not know. Then you kind of shift out of that because your head gets in the way. And I thought, what in the world was that? Long story short, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I received epic, I received gnosko with regard to the person of the Holy Spirit. You see, I didn't know about him being the one who baptized, Jesus baptizing us with the Holy Ghost and fire. I now experienced him. That's what gnosko is. Experience reality. You know, that's why we need to work hard on ourselves. Because let me go further. The Holy Ghost is not just one who fills us with power and fire. He's our comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, and standby. And if you think about those seven different manifestations of the Spirit of God, the perfect number seven of the Lord, just for Him to be my comforter. I don't want to know that He is a comforter. I want to experience the comfort of the Holy Spirit. That's Gnosko. Counselor, I want to receive the counsel of the Holy Spirit. That's Gnosko. So you could use those seven words and just say, look how much we have to work on. We find ourselves in difficult situations, and guess what? We've got the comforter and counselor right there to help us. Are we looking to him to manifest himself in gnosko ways that we receive this enlightening truth, a direction, a guidance, or whatever it might be that we need from God? Now, we go on from there. Deliverer. We can know that Jesus is the deliverer. We can know that he made provisions for us to be delivered from the powers of darkness. Obviously, because of his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, we, we know that he defeated the evil one. He made deliverance possible for anyone who needs to be delivered. That's factual knowledge. That, you could say, is gnosis. G gnosis. So there are facts. We learn that by reading our Bible. Colossians 1.13 tells us that he delivered us from the authority of darkness. And so we know that he has done that. But that's only academic. When you need delivered, you need gnosko. Gnosko means, I know he's my deliverer, I present myself to him for deliverance, and when I receive his delivering power into my being, I am loose from that thing. I remember recently reading an article about an individual who um, was an alcoholic. And even though he gave his heart and life to Jesus, he was still bound by alcohol. And one day someone came up and talked to him about what we're talking about here, that Jesus delivered him from that. And even though he tried other methods and other means of deliverance, he wasn't being delivered from it. And he was told that, look, you can experience his delivering power, but it's up to you to understand what to do. Just like you made him your savior, just like you, you made him your, let's say, healer or helper, you can make him your deliverer. And so, once again, it goes from academic knowledge, facts, data, etc., that kind of information, to, wait a minute, I need the deliverer to deliver me. I'm calling upon you as my deliverer, Lord. I believe right now you're entering into my being and you are delivering me from the power of alcohol. You have no power over my life any longer. And the Spirit of God moved upon his life. And from that moment on, he never even had the desire 
or taste for alcohol. He was completely delivered, set free. That is called gnosko. Big difference between knowing deliverance is there and made possible and actually experiencing it in our lives. You know, and I pray that this is an eye-opener to all of us. There's so much that we could learn from this. Look at the next one. Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. Jesus has been made to us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. Let's just take out righteousness from one of those four. Righteousness is right standing with God. Oftentimes we deal with guilt, condemnation, inferiority, sin consciousness, and so on. And as a result, it paralyzes our faith. We look in the mirror and we see the flaws that we have, the imperfections that we have, and as a result, we think that God is looking at us that way. Like my lack of performance or my improper performance means He's coming down on me and you know, condescending toward me. Guilt. No, 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 that's not the case. He's been made by righteousness. It's not just me learning that intellectually that Christ died for my sins so I could be made the righteousness of God in Christ. It's me coming to the place that, yes, academically, I've learned that, but now I'm going to accept that. I'm going to receive that. I'm going to embrace that. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to take that fact, that data, that information of knowledge, and make it a reality in my life so that I no longer see myself in the flesh. I see myself as God's masterpiece, recreated in Christ Jesus, the righteousness of God in Christ. And how do I know this is something that people war with? I've heard more preachers stand behind pulpits since I've been born again and say, Lord, I'm just not worthy to even come before your throne. I'm not worthy to even petition you for anything. Wait a minute. If a preacher will say that, can you imagine where the lay people are? That's not the truth. Jesus made you worthy. See, we need a revelation. We need gnosko. Not just academic knowledge that I'm the righteousness of God. That's to come into our hearts and transform our lives so that we embrace it, so that we actually know it. In, in reality, what it does is makes me recognize who I am because of what he's done, his performance, not mine. So gnosko is when we get to a place I know I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I experience that in my life. Now, it doesn't lift us up in pride. No, what it does makes us one with the reality of the work of Christ. He did that for us. Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification means being set apart. I'm, I'm set apart not because of my performance or how good I am. I'm set apart because of what he's done, not me. That has to become gnosko. I see that. I experience that. It's a reality in my life. Redemption. Oh, thank God we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Can you imagine that? We've been redeemed. We can read the Bible. We could read about redemption. We can read about the facts about redemption, get the information, the data, etc., etc. It's only when we get to the place that Gnosko enters into the picture and I know I'm redeemed. I'm one with my redemption. Every single one of us will be challenged in all these areas of our lives because we have an enemy that doesn't want us to mature or grow spiritually. What's he trying to do? Stop us from getting to the place of Gnosko. Why? If we just have head knowledge of it, it's not effective in our lives. It's ineffective when it comes to even having us minister to other people. 
But when we get to the place that we're one with that revelation, and we know that we know that we know that we know it, he can't take it out of you, can't pull it away from you. That's why the Bible says it was written so that we may know we have salvation, so that we may know that we're children of the Most High God. Now, the last uh, thing I have listed here is knowing Jesus as your high priest, as your advocate, as your mediator, as your intercessor, as knowing him as your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And you just take those words right there and just say, okay, I know he's the high priest. I'll be honest with you. When I went off to school at Rainbow Bible Training Center at that time, that's what it was called. You know what? When the preacher or the teacher started talking about the high priestly ministry of Jesus, I was sitting there like an old cow at a new gate. I had no clue what he's talking about. Never heard about the high priestly ministry of Jesus. Well, I began to gain some facts. I'll be honest with you. I was a little bit disgruntled. You know why? Because I'm sitting there thinking, I'm not going to ever learn all this stuff. Are you kidding me? I'm going four hours a day. Each teacher has their own message ready to go. I'm getting bombarded with all these facts of knowledge, all this information. My head is spinning. I'm thinking, will I ever know what it means that Jesus is the high priest or the mediator? What's a mediator, an advocate? And Oh, my goodness. Well, you know what? Just take your time. Apply yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten you and then move you from the place of gnosis through oida into gnosko. Ah, I see it now. I have representation at the right hand of the majesty on high. In the old covenant, the high priest was the only one that had access into the holiest place of all to make provision for the sin of the people for a year. And he had to go in with the blood of bulls or goats and whatever to cover the sin for a year. If he didn't go there properly, he could die. The high priest is our representative before the throne of God. Jesus has become your high priest and my high priest. I need to know that here. See, I'm not going there without representation. I'm not walking up to the throne and saying, now, Lord, I'm such a good person that you should take care of me. Or, Lord, I'm such a horrible person. I don't blame you for not taking care of me. You're walking up there and it says, Therefore, having a high priest at the right hand of the Father, boldly go to the throne of grace to obtain mercy. Why? He doesn't look at me. He sees me filtered through the blood of Jesus Christ. He sees me a masterpiece. He sees me a new creation. Oh, he knows I missed the mark along the way, but that's not the point. I'm not going there based on my performance. Jesus is the one he's looking at. Therefore, it says, because of him, go boldly to the throne. Get your mercy. Get your grace. How can you tell whether it's Gnosko? I'll be honest with you. When you walk away from that place and maybe you needed forgiveness, guess what? When you ask the Lord to forgive you, and if you walk away and then you're like, oh, did he really forgive me? I don't really know if he forgave me. I mean, how can he forgive me? I did this thing 10 days in a row. Oh, my heavens. You know, and the devil's browbeating you with guilt and condemnation. You see, you, you were just applying some things that you know to do, but... Trust me, when you know Gnosko was involved, you will know. I asked him to forgive me. He heard me. I believe he has forgiven me. I am forgiven. And when the devil attacks you and just says, oh, you don't know, you stop right there and just say, he told me to forgive 490 times a day if someone wrongs me. Guess what? He's forgiven me. You know it. You're one with it. You have the full revelation of it. It's something that's operative within your being.
So, he's our high priest, he's our advocate, our mediator between ourselves and God, and all he's all that to us. So when we talk about knowing him, it's gnosko. Experience it. Embrace it. Have oneness with it. A relationship that's close to God. Now look at the book of Philippians chapter 3. And notice. The Apostle Paul kind of highlights what we're talking about. Though I could have confidence in my own effort. If anyone could. Indeed if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts. I have even more. I was circumcised when I was 8 days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. A real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Did you hear what he's saying? Now, notice he's boasting, but he's doing it. You know, facetiously, you could say, he's boasting about what? His education, his academic education, his religious education, his position as a Pharisee and all that. And this took time, effort, and energy. And if you never studied rabbinical teaching and and all that, and you know what it takes for them to get involved to be a rabbi and so on and so forth, trust me, they involved themselves in a lot of time, effort, and energy in studying all this to become what he was. And so he applied himself. And what's he saying here? I have all this academic knowledge. I have all this religious knowledge. I've applied myself in such a way that I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisee. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. As far as the law is concerned, he called himself flawless or faultless. In other words, I did my best to keep everything I could possibly keep to the letter. That's how I applied myself. Well, thank God for all of his academic achievements. But he's talking about, at this point, gnosis. He's talking about academic knowledge, data, facts, and how it applied to his life as far as that was concerned. But he says, all this information that I have, all this data that I have, all that learning that I have, that I've applied to my life, I consider garbage, worthless, and valuable compared to gaining even academic knowledge of Jesus. Now, that's coming from a Jew of Jews, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. If I were to be compared, if I were to compare the two knowledges, trust me, I would take Christ over all this. Even though it's been a lifetime, I've dedicated myself to all this. Well, look at the next couple of verses. He goes on to say these words. And become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ. I want to. There's the word know. That is the epigenosco. That's the gnosko. I want to know Christ and experience. Notice it's experience reality. The mighty 
power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, the persecution, the affliction. He could never suffer like Jesus suffered for our sins. Sharing in his death. In other words, I'm willing to be persecuted to suffer whatever I have to suffer on this side of heaven so I can gain experience reality in the resurrection power of our Lord. Sharing in the power of his resurrection from the dead. This is my ultimate goal. This is my ultimate aim. No, there is Gnosko. He wanted to experience Jesus. He wanted to experience his work of redemption. He wanted to experience the power of his resurrection. He wanted to walk in the fullness of it. You see, the difference between going to heaven and going to hell is the difference between information and transformation. Information is wonderful. I knew about Jesus for 24 years. I was not transformed by that knowledge. I was not changed by that knowledge. I didn't have gnosko. All I had was gnosis. I had facts. You see, it's not knowing about Jesus. It's knowing Jesus. It's knowing him and having a relationship with him. I quoted this verse before, but look at Psalm 34 and verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Notice that. See, gnosko could be defined as tasting and seeing. Have you ever gone out to eat somewhere and someone says, this is the best restaurant they've ever been at. This is the best this, this is the best that. And you put one spoonful in your mouth and you just had to do all you could to get it down. Have you ever done that? I know I have at some certain places. It was called Blue Points. I was at a restaurant and someone uh, was gracious enough to invite us to go there. Went there and they paid for this appetizer. What's snail, whatever. <laughs> and I'm telling you. When I looked at it, I thought, this is certainly under a curse. And I'm going to tell you, I'll, I'll confess, I'll tell you about myself. I sat there realizing, I look, I looked at the menu, I thought, dear Lord, he paid a lot of money for this little thing that's on my plate that is slimy, you know, in its appearance and all that. And I thought, hmm. Now, secretly, I prayed for the meal. But then when I saw that, I secretly said to myself in prayer, Father, turn that into a meatball. Please turn that into a meatball. Well, I proceeded to, I figured there's only one way to do this. Just throw it down. So I just took it in whole, swallowed it whole. I swallowed that thing probably a hundred times before that meal was over. And it, I just kept swallowing it and swallowing it and swallowing it. I tasted and I didn't see that it was good at all. I've never had one since. I don't plan on ever having one ever again in my life. Okay. But um, long story short, drove all the way home from Pittsburgh. And when we got home, went to my house, someone dropped off a pot of meatballs. And I said, thank you, Jesus. I just threw down a couple of meatballs and it was all good. It was all good at that point. It, it took away the swallowing of that slimy thing and just removed it completely from me. So you know what? Tasting and seeing that the Lord is good is experiencing it. It's, it's like taking the cake and putting it in your mouth and experiencing it and saying, this is wonderful. You've experienced, if you haven't experienced the new birth, you have no idea how good God is. When he brought me out of the realms of darkness into the light of his love and kingdom, I'm telling you right now, you talk about a joy unspeakable and full of glory. There is something on the inside of me that is inexplainable. But praise God, thank God that I tasted and I saw 
my Lord is good. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. This is what this life is all about. And this is what direction we want to go in. We want to experience the fear of God so that it affects the way we live our lives upon the earth. But before we get to that, but we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. What's he talking about? As we look into the mirror of God's word, as we find out who we are in Christ. See, when you first get saved, you're like a newborn baby born into the world without any information, any data, any facts, no gnosis, none of that at all. But you begin to gradually learn about some things and they form your life. Okay, they develop your life. Okay, well, he's talking about, we look into the mirror of God's word now that we're born again, and now we have some understanding about what Jesus has done for us. And as we take the scriptures, and we're not learning culture, we're not learning history. I mean, thank God for all that. That's not the most important thing. Jesus died for us to become in, like him, to be in his image, to be in his likeness, to be changed from glory to glory. So we look at these verses, we see what they say. And we learn first intellectually and we say, I'm not satisfied with intellectual knowledge or this data, this information. I want to have the reality, the, the gnosko of it in my life. And as the Holy Spirit hears us cry out for that, he moves upon our hearts and lives and he changes us from glory to glory. I remember uh, Smith Mugglesworth, uh, God mightily used him in England as a, and around the world, really, as a healing evangelist and a miracle worker and all that. But when he first got saved, he had an issue with anger. His character and conduct wasn't as, as should have been becoming a Christian. So he went outside and he got along with God. He's fasted and prayed and he said, I'm not leaving this room until you change me by your spirit. You know what? Spirit of God came down on him. He knows if we're serious and sincere. He's never had an issue with anger from that point on, ever. Because you see, he submitted himself to the life-changing power of the Holy Spirit. He was changed from glory to glory. Now, it's possible that we can grow older in the Lord. In other words, I've been saved for, um, what, I don't know how many years, 76, so almost, what, 46 years or something like that. Um, yeah, for 40, whatever, 44 years. 45 years this, this fall. You could grow older in the Lord, but not mature. We all can do that. Well, I've been a Christian for 45 years, 46 years. That's great, but have we grown? Look at this scripture here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And notice what it says. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I would talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature or your flesh. You are jealous of one another. You quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? Oh, Ouch. What's Paul saying to these people that have spiritual gifts in operation? You're not maturing spiritually. You've lost sight of what it really means to be a Christian, to be conformed to the very image of Jesus. You know, so I can't speak to you as, as I would like to. You need to have an, a gnosko experience with the conduct and character of God, with the love of God. Look at these other verses in uh, Romans chapter 8 and then Hebrews 5, and we'll close it here in Philippians. But look at this in Romans eight twenty nine. Everybody knows 28, they can quote it, but here's 29. 
For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God wants us to be changed, to be conformed, to be transformed to the image of Jesus so that we think like him, look like him, act like him, talk like him, walk like him. He that says he abides in him, 1 John 2, 6 says, if you say that, you should walk even as you walk. We're talking about the transformed life here. That's gnosko. We want transformation. We all should want it. Uh, then in this Hebrews chapter 5, look at the writer of the Hebrews, which I believe is Paul, but you don't have to if you don't want to. I'm not dogmatic. That's fine. Um, notice what it says here. Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. For when the time ought, you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, or they're matured, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So he's talking about spiritual growth and development, which is the result of gnosko. Taking the information that we have and saying, I'm not satisfied just knowing that I'm righteous. I want to experience righteousness. Or knowing that he strengthens me, I want to experience his strength. That's what it's all about. And we should be changed until we're conformed to his image and likeness. I know I've got the love of God in me, but I want that to be made manifest through me. I don't want to be full of envy, strife, division, and etc., etc., like he, Paul said about the other church. Let's close it here in Philippians chapter 3 and notice this. The Christian life is all about gnosko. Not just getting the facts of knowledge, not just having perception, but now entering into oneness with the revelation of who we are as sons and daughters of the Most High God. It's all about inspiration that leads to information, that leads to application, that leads to transformation or transform lives. I don't mean, this is Paul speaking, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved what? He wanted to achieve the resurrection, the power of the resurrection in his life as he lived on the earth. I didn't achieve that yet. I've not achieved perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ first possessed me. No, he goes on to say, my dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling me. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. So what is he saying? We grow basically at our own growth rate. It depends on how I long to be changed into the image of Christ. If I want it badly, I apply myself to it, ask the Holy Ghost to do it, and I embrace it, I'll grow faster as a believer. If I'll do that. Paul's saying, I haven't achieved what I'm looking for yet because he set the goal up so high that it's, it's incredible. I want to have a resurrection life of God manifest in me 24-7 as I live my life upon the earth. That's powerful. Sometimes we step into it and step out of it, but he wanted to have it constantly manifested in his life. I'm not there yet, he said, so you know, you know what? I'm not going to be busy myself with looking at your faults, your failures, your shortcomings, or whatever you did wrong or whatever. I'm looking at myself. I'm looking to the mirror of the Word of God, and I'm being changed into the very image of Christ my Lord. Can you say amen? We all should have the same desire. And what did Paul say? If you don't see it, God will show it to you. But if you do see it, don't be down on where you're at. Just keep on striving 
for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God.